1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Everybody say the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God says that he may exalt you. In, in proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all, somebody say all, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm reading again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And he says, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I don't know if your dad is like my dad, but there's just something about West Indian men's hands. Like, there's only one thing that I had a healthy respect for more than the belt. Come on, somebody. And that was my dad's hand. My dad's hand, like, my dad's hand was like the Incredible Hulk hand on steroids. He's recently lost a gang of weight, and I'm so blessed to see, you know, uh, how my dad and my mom, they're taking care of their health. My dad is now like 84, 83, 84 years old, and he looks incredible. He has such great energy. It's awesome. But even with all that weight loss, that hand, it's like some like West Indian iron fist or something, you know, like. It's just serious. And if you're West Indian men in this house, you go, 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 find, a, go find a West Indian guy. Ask him, hey, can I look at your hand? Because most of them don't do it in a creepy way, though. As non-creepy as possible. But I learned very quickly that the hand, my dad's hand, it was a hand of discipline. And it was also, and it still is, a strong hand. A mighty hand. This is the first example of a mighty hand that I ever experienced. Not only is it a hand of discipline, not only is it a strong hand, but it's a hand that that is that is responsible for in many cases it's a conduit of all of the provision that i experienced as a child anybody ever had hard-working parents i mean that went out there and they pounded the pavement and they didn't make excuses i love especially in our culture you know in my culture in west indian context and i know for many of you it's the same thing your parents are immigrants and they came from another country and they came to this place and they didn't make excuses. They did everything they could, even in the midst of challenges. We see that their hands, that their, their hands and by the sweat of their brow, that they are capable of making a way for many of us shoulders to stand on. We are standing on the works of the hand, the mighty hands of our parents. And I'm so grateful for the discipline that that hand brought to my life. You know, when you're in the middle of the discipline, how many of you know you're not excited about it? Come on, somebody. I remember when I was growing up, I'd always say stuff like, I'll never be like you. And I, of course, I said that when I went to my room in the pillow, you know, because that would have been another death wish if I if I said that out loud, you know. And a lot of people, especially in certain contexts where discipline does not uh, is not a an important thing. You look at the way that uh, some parents will discipline, you'll say, oh, that's abuse. And of course, I get it in terms of there are people who go to the extreme, and I understand. But most of what we call abuse today is, is foolishness. Can I just say it? Because some of these children, I'm not going to call them what I want to call them, 
All they need is, if I'm, I just look at them, I'm, just like, I'm like, all you just need is two licks. One and two. And that would just straighten you out right there. But we'd be letting kids cut up and act a fool and, I don't want to go. You know, walking in the, snow, the store, knocking stuff over, talking about, telling their mom, shut up, Susie. And, you know, when that stuff happens, I'd be flinching like, oh, man. Because I just catch flashbacks like, if I ever... Hallelujah. But the point is that I'm so grateful. I actually say, and you know, obviously, now I do Beijing comedy about when I used to get licks and all of that sorts of stuff. And I can laugh about it now. And I'm actually grateful for it now. I'm grateful for the chastisement and the discipline that my father's hand issued towards my life. Because, and it wasn't even just the discipline in terms of spanking, but because he cared about my future enough to be able to challenge me. Come on, somebody. And let me know when I was headed in the wrong direction. And there are many of us, there are many of us that we don't understand. And over these next few weeks, I'm going to talk about different areas and different perspectives around this topic of a hard knock life. Because we thought, man, I remember thinking as a kid, like, this is so hard. You know, and if I could have, and and actually I remember when, it's a hard knock life for us. Anybody remember that? It's a hard knock life for us. And I remember I was like, man, like, that's like my life. You know, because I didn't understand how it would benefit me in the future. I never in my wildest dreams when I was a child would have thought that I would ever look back at the discipline of the Lord and the the discipline of the Lord through my parents and said, I'm thankful for it. Hallelujah. Somebody sees where I'm going with this thing. But this was the first example of a mighty hand. And authority that I ever witnessed was, was through my parents. And, and, and so I love this. I love this passage because it's, it's very clear. Note this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, I want you to understand this. The first thing, as a child, we recognize, hopefully, through the discipline of our parents, that there are challenges. And that would uh, constitute, right, The challenges and the struggles, parents just don't understand, right? But as you live a little more, you realize that the chastisement and the discipline that happened in the household was actually preparation for the way that things are in real life. And oftentimes, this is the thing, because the fact is that a lot of us, when we let kids get away with stuff, what we're doing is we're setting them up for a reality that is that they won't be prepared for. You can't get away with stuff in the real world. Come on, somebody. You can't just give them the the puppy eyes and get away with stuff in the real world. That's not the way that it works. And oftentimes we, so if you just live a little, look at somebody, just tell them live a little. If you just live a little, you will recognize that this indeed is a hard knock life. You'll realize that there are things that we face in life and that we're going to come up against. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that we need to understand that some of our greatest lessons are learned in the school of the hard knocks. I'm telling you, it's some stuff that you can't learn in textbooks. Come on, somebody. 
You know, there's there's a difference between someone who learns how to drive and goes and takes the test. And then when someone who learned how to drive in the parking lot, when their dad let them sit in the lap and. okay, y'all don't want to talk about that. There's a difference. I would rather trust somebody that's been driving illegally since they were 11 years old. Because there's something that you learn in, in, there's something that you learn through hands on. Come on, somebody. And there are some of you that you don't even realize the things that God has been trying to teach you because, because you're saying based upon your qualifications or based on the path that you've taken, you say, Oh, God couldn't really be with me, but God is letting us know. And He showed up through me to encourage you today to let you know that when challenges come your way, there are things that you can't read about. Are we have to do is oftentimes lean in and God has some plan man I'm telling you there's some of you that don't know that you could have a healthy marriage until you went through a failed one okay 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 we'll try there's some of you there's some of you that don't know the importance of health until your health was jacked up a little bit and I talk about it this morning because there's some of us, there's some of us in this place that you would, there's things that we learn that has nothing to do with the textbook. But it comes from us learning from the school of the hard knocks. And so our biggest thing, because this is the facts of life, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I love and believe the Bible The reason why is because it is a book full of stories about individuals who had challenging and hard lives. Even Jesus. Born in a manger. Some of y'all complained about the hospital. You, oh, I don't like that hospital. You know, they, they, you know, look at that hospital. It's disgusting. And I was born here. Were you born in a manger? Coming up on the Christmas season. You weren't born in no manger, in a, in a horse's feeding trough, you know? And not only this, but, but then, but then we see that all, even that Jesus went through, it's crazy the things that he dealt with as a child and that he went through in life. And I want to let you know today that I love the Bible. I love the word of God because it gives us these examples. I, you know, it would be one thing if the Bible just presented people with squeaky clean situations. I don't see the thing is I'm not as willing to follow someone who presents themselves as squeaky clean than I am someone who has a little green. You know, you just like they say you don't want to you don't want to uh, uh, trust a skinny cook. Okay. If you don't like your food, then why do I like you? Why would I like your food? <laughs> But the point is that there's a blessing, man, in going through some stuff. Come on. There's a blessing in following people who are honest about where they're at. You know what? In fact, let's look at this. Uh, I'm not going to make you turn. You know what? Yes, I will make you turn. Keep your finger in 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at the Psalms. This is one of David. This is, this is why when people, you go into those churches that tell you when you talk about the struggles you're going through and when you declare about what's happening, that it's a lack of faith. That is foolishness because we have a Bible where the, the, the people that we follow in scripture determine that that is a lie. They are open and they are honest about what they 
what they dealt with and what they're going through. Look at what David, this is David, who the Bible says, Psalm 13, that David, the, the man after God's own heart. Are you with me this morning? Not too crazy for you today? Okay. Philippians chapter 13, I mean, uh, Psalm chapter 13. The Bible says the, to the choir master, a psalm of David. This was one of his lowest points. Some scholars says this was his, at his lowest point. Look at this. It says, how long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? See, sometimes the things that you're facing make you even forget the truths that God declares to us. The Bible is clear that God will never leave us. But even David, in the moment that he was in, he he was not afraid to write this. And now it echoes down the corridors of time to the place where we are reading this and seeing his example in this moment. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So he's looking. Have you ever been in that place where you where you're doing everything that you can? You're trying to do what's right. You're trying to serve God. And it's things just seem to not be working out. And then when you look at the waste suits that are out there and in your circle of influence, they seem like their things are working out. And they am I talking to somebody in this place? And you're like, God, I know that I'm not perfect. But at least, though, it's about one or two people. Can we just keep it real this morning? That I know that, uh, you know, and they're blessed and, and it looks like they're blessed and it looks like things are prospering on their path. And we may feel like it's not fair because we see others who are trying as hard. Maybe, maybe there's about one or two real folk in here that aren't trying as hard. But the fact is that it seems like things are coming together for them. Hard knock life. Look, look, look at the text. He says, he says, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice. In your salvation. Look at the turnaround. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so this is the balance here. David is made is honest and transparent about how he feels even towards God. And many of you, the reason why you have not experienced the breakthrough that God has for you is because you won't be honest with Jesus. You think that God's going to strike you down for saying, hey, God, I don't like what you're doing right now. Hey, God, what's happening? Don't feel like it's fear. Who am I talking to this morning? God, I feel like I'm in the dark. I know I'm singing about the light and I'm singing and I'm dancing. I'm talking about fall. But I don't. The only thing I see falling on me are boulders. Who am I talking to this morning? But David, he's honest, he's transparent. And not only is he honest and transparent, but then he balances it and says that even though this is the case, my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. See, it's a problem when we just complain about what we're going through, but then we don't flip it around and still say, despite what I'm going through, come on, somebody, I will trust in the Lord. And that's the issue. The issue is not transparency. The issue is that we often don't balance it out and we just stop there. 
You don't embrace what God is trying to do. See, David understood that there was something beyond the trial that he was in. He understood that even though he felt this way, that God must have had a plan. And so he's crying out and he's honest. But he balances it out with knowing that he's trusting in the Lord. And this is so good to me because uh, we get this example not only from David, but also from Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Are you still with me? The book of Matthew, we find in Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus because, you know, if there's anybody that, whose example we're supposed to follow, it should be Jesus. Right? And Jesus, we say, oh, well, Jesus was perfect because he was. So because Jesus was perfect, Jesus is not, uh, Jesus would never, you know, and he was going to die for the sins of the, so no, 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 baby. Jesus, although he was perfect, he still was honest about the way that he feels. Even though he didn't fail, he still was honest. Look at this. And what a great example for us we find in Matthew chapter 26. Look at the text, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them, speaking about his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. It's Jesus. The Bible says, look at this. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. So look, this is powerful because this is Jesus. Not only is he just transparent for the Bible's sake, but he's transparent with the people around him. The people who he was getting ready to die for. He still was transparent with them. Can we just do some Bible study for a second? Look at the text. He tells them, my soul is very sorrowful and troubled. And look, and, uh, and even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And Jesus clearly here, he's making it clear that he feels like quitting. Anybody ever felt like quitting? In his flesh. Because remember, he was fully God and fully man. Known as the hypostatic union, hypostasis. Two realities in one body or one, one, uh, one being. And in this, we find that he's fully God, but then he's fully man. And he lays down the majority of his deity to walk in the flesh so that he could pay, live perfectly and pay for our sins. And so all of the things that we see here as it pertains to this, he is showing us and displaying his humanity. And so look here in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell on his face saying, my father, speaking to God, the father, if it be possible, let this come from me so he tells God in that moment God I feel like quitting God the father I feel like throwing in the towel this thing that I'm up against imagine I can't imagine carrying the weight and the sin of the world on your back and he's like this weight is so heavy I don't know who I'm talking to that feels like you're living in the school of the hard knocks and it's a hard knock life because of the stuff that you're up he says I felt like quitting in this moment let it pass from me. But then here's the balance. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, he's saying, if this is what I need in order to get to the place where not only is my life blessed because of the joy that's coming, as Hebrews 12 talks about, but also because of the lives that are around me. Because remember, him going to the cross and dying for the sins of mankind was going to be to your and my benefit. And so he says, even though it's a struggle. Even though this is a hard knock life. I started from the bottom. Come on manger. But now we're here to the place. I'm not even to the, to the now we here yet. 
Anybody ever felt that? You're, you're stuck in. You're stuck in between. Started on the bottom and now we're here. You're not even at the now we're here yet. And he's like, I'm not there yet. If I could throw in the towel, I would. But nevertheless, I know there's something on the other side of this hard knock situation. Come on, somebody. And so I'm going to lean into this father. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I love it. And we're going to stop there on that. But I just want to encourage you around this because many of you, you don't believe in Halloween, but you come dressed up in a mask every Sunday. You, you shut off all the lights in your, in your house when people come around. Come on, somebody. Because you say, oh, I don't want none. I ain't want none of them duppy people coming by my house. And you shut off the lights. Come on, somebody. And you talk about, oh, I don't want people. D- d- little Timmy, you're not allowed to dress up for Halloween. And some of you, that's not your reality. Uh, but in my situation, that was the case. We don't want you to dress up for Halloween because we don't want you going outside looking the way, and, you know, and all of this stuff. But every time you come into a church, come on, and you gather with the church or you talk to people, you get to the place where they say, where you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Because, oh, I, this is not a faith walk for me to talk about how I really feel. It's not a faith walk for me to declare and make clear about this hard knock life that I'm in. And the hard knock situations that I'm facing. It was good enough for Jesus to do that. It was good enough for David to do that. It was good enough for Paul to talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 how he was inflicted with a thorn in his side. He was given a thorn. And he prayed for it to go three times and it wouldn't leave. He, he, he thought that was noteworthy for us to know. But at the end of all of this, they all declare that they're rejoicing in the Lord because they know that God has a plan for them out of this or they're trusting in God and they're making it clear that they're trusting in God. Man, I'm trying to get somebody to get the most out of your suffering. If you're going to have to go through it, you might as well get something out of it. Come on, I'm never going to waste another test, another day in my life. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I'm never, if I'm going to have to go through the sickness, you better believe I'm going to milk it for everything it's got. You better believe if I got to go through some health challenges and some marital issues, I'm going to, I'm going to milk that thing for everything it's got. If I'm going through some broke situations and some challenges in my finances, I'm going to learn everything that I've got from this situation because I'm not planning to go here no more. Am I talking to somebody this morning? So some of the the greatest lessons we've learned are from the school of the hard knocks. And this is why I love what the text says. The last few minutes that I got here, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Here, Peter is talking. He's addressing uh, the elders or the leaders of the church when he starts in, in in the beginning of chapter 5. But as he goes on, we find we find in the text that right before he goes on to this next part of the text, he goes on in verse five and says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the olders. And then watch, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So here in the text, he's just for context sake, because some might read this and be like, oh, well, he's talking to elders or pastors. But then he shifts the focus from talking to elders and admonishing elders and pastors to then saying to all of you. And so he shifts to a broader audience, which would include all of us who are believers. And then he starts by saying, look at the text, humble yourself. 
Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in proper time he may exalt you. Under the mighty hand of God. I mean, under the mighty hand of God. As I was studying this, this just stuck out to me. And it just, I just started thinking about it because, because in other words, he's saying my disposition or my perception of being under God's mighty hand is going to determine me getting to the next level in this life. If when God causes or allows things to happen under his supervision, come on somebody, his intent is to bring me to a place of exaltation. Does this mean to bring, does exaltation mean a seven bedroom house? Does it, it's not, see, that's what we usually think of. We usually think of position. We usually think of rank. We usually think of materials. And oftentimes that may be the case. But especially here in the passage, he's talking about whatever is happening while you are under God's sovereign and mighty hand. Your disposition, your response is going to determine your growth level. Arrogance is the number one deterrent to deliverance. This is what he's saying in the text. Because he says, because exaltation, I don't know what that represents in your life. But he's saying when you are under the mighty hand of God, when you are under the mighty hand of God, however that looks, even in times of prosperity, prosperity and success oftentimes destroys more life than poverty does. Because we walk in arrogance and we don't know how to steward the blessings of the Lord. And so whatever God's doing, whether it's God being in a position where he's blessing us or God being in a position even where he may be challenging us or correcting us, our response, what we do during that time, oftentimes we're arrogant. When God, oh no, I don't deserve this. You know, when we were kids and my kids, you know, they often do this. And they'll be like, their, fa- their, their favorite thing to say, is this not fair? I don't care that I told mom to shut up. I don't care that I dis- was disobedient. Come on, somebody. When a parent or the teacher at school told me to do something and I told her, you're not my mama. It do- and then when there's punishment, you can't watch TV this week. No iPod, no video games. And then they'll be on some, that's not fair. And they act arrogantly like, I don't deserve that. And that the, the, the fact is that oftentimes this is how we respond, right, to the chastisement of the Lord. Can I talk about chastisement today? And consequently, when God is trying to correct our path, we don't understand. Sometimes sooner than later, but many times, in most cases, because of our arrogance, we keep on having, a, it's, a cyclical, it's a cyclical thing. We keep going through the same stuff over and over again. Am I the only person that's ever been there? It's like God has told you a number of times. And I've been there before. Even right now, there's something, if I could just be honest, there's something in my life that this week as I've been talking, thinking and praying about this, I'm like, you know what? There is something that I'm supposed to do that I have not yet done. And God has told me a number of times. And I have let fear and laziness and all of these sorts of things hinder me from making these moves. And there are certain things in my life that are not going the way that I know they should go. And I'm experiencing some difficulty in certain areas and the lord reminded me son do you remember what i told you to do can pastors be honest 
And many of us, this is why you keep, why do I keep going through this? Why do I keep, because you didn't learn from the last relationship. Why is it, why do I never have any money? Because you keep spending your credit cards like cash. Why, why is it that, this? can I just keep it real this morning? You know, why and why and why? And we ask why. And oftentimes it's because you haven't humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You and I got to get to the place where we lean in. And humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Are you still with me this morning? Man, where's repetition? And some of you, you've been getting away with stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, so it must be, you know, it must be, it must be different this time. Some of, the, some of the, the greatest licks that I got in my life were the ones where I thought I got away. Come on, somebody. You know, when you sneak in the house, you came in the house and you thought you got away. And you went and you did, you went in your dutty tail and got into bed. Didn't even bathe, didn't even brush your teeth. You're just happy to be in the bedroom. And then you get there and then you turn around and you see your parent just lying there smiling at you. Or suddenly you're, you're, you're just getting into REM sleep. You're just starting to dream about, ah, oh, I'm going into sleep. Oh, I made it. And you're dreaming. And suddenly in your dream, you just see Gorgatron just jump out and you just start feeling some like, wait, what's happening? Then you wake up and you wake up to the belt, to the mighty hand. Come on, somebody. Or some of you, you woke up and you had to go in time out, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> the worst is oftentimes the times that you thought you got away. And the correction comes swift and fast. And I'm here to tell you, if this is even a prophecy and a warning to somebody that's been doing the same thing you've been doing. And you feel like you're okay and because you've been getting away and nothing has happened as of yet. But I want to encourage you to know that if you don't learn, hard ears you don't hear, hard ears you will feel. And so he says, so, so we've got to humble ourselves under God's correction and instruction. I'm telling you, man, when, you know, I, I'm so glad that God loves us enough to correct us. I'm so glad that God loves us. In fact, look at what he says in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 12, a few books before, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. You can write it down, check it out if you can't get there fast enough. He says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son or daughter whom he receives. That's powerful right there. The reason why my parents corrected my behavior was because they loved me. The reason why I grew up in an environment that seemed like it was a hard knock life is because my parents loved me. And they wanted to see me be, to grow up, to be in the, to go on the right path. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and so, so it's clear that even with God, God, it, the reason why he corrects us is because he loves us. And so we are to humble ourselves under his mighty hand because the fact is that if we do so, the exaltation often comes in the form of a lesson. A life lesson that puts you in a, an, in a place higher than where you previously were. A level. How, how many of you uh, uh, grew up playing video games? Okay, you grew up playing video games. Some of y'all is lying, but that's okay. Uh, but my favorite was Super Nintendo, of course. And I loved, man, Super Mario. You know. And the thing is that there is no way that I am getting to this next level if I don't beat the boss. If I don't learn what he does, and I forgot who it was on that, that, that uh, island thing that floats in lava, and you have to like jump over him and kick him, kick him, kick him, kick him, so that he can fall off. You're, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And it's like, if every, who is it? Bowser. 
If I didn't learn Bowser's moves, I'm the one that's going to keep, and then you fall off into, and keep doing it over and over again, instead of humbling myself and learning. See, the fact is, there's some people in your life that are challenged, and because you think you're better than them, you won't learn from them. Come on, somebody. And you don't understand that sometimes it's the people that you don't like that have the answer to your deliverance. And God didn't call you to be like them. God didn't call you to be their best friend, but he called you and he put a key in their hand that might help you get to the next level. Come on, somebody. And I'm not telling you to kiss tail but sometimes you just need to comply with what's going on with that boss because God is just going to use them to get you to that next position in the job but so many of us been acting so arrogant oh I even got a better degree than them come on somebody and don't get it twisted I know some of y'all looking like this some 34 year old boy what does he have to learn what does he have to teach me come on somebody a lot of people talking about oh I'm not coming to that church that's a young that's a young boy he don't know nothing I'm telling you that oftentimes, come on somebody God God can use a child to confound a d- humble yourselves can I talk about it under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you hallelujah is this this Bible I love this I'm almost done but I want you to look at this one more psalm can I give you one more psalm Look at what David says. This is, I, I believe somebody's going to get delivered if you grab this and walk this out. David says in Psalm 119, verse 65 and onward, look at what David declares. This is so dope. He had the proper perspective of God's correction in our lives. Pete this, Pete this, Pete this. He says, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord. According to your word, look, teach me your good judgment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So he makes it clear that he did, because obviously David's business is out there for everybody. I'm telling you, man, if we made like sitcoms off of some of the stuff in scripture, they would be hits. Because it's some, it's some serious drama that happens in here. But he says, before... You corrected me or before I was afflicted, I went astray. Some of you don't even realize that God can cause some affliction in your life to try and get you where you need to be. You remember Jonah got swallowed by the fish? Bible says in the book of Jonah, it says that the Lord prepared the fish and send oh it was the devil that did it the the devil sent that fish no the devil don't have all power come on somebody but jonah decided that he was going to disobey god come on and under god's mighty hand god decided to send a fish to correct his path and god sends the fish swallows him up gets him back where he needs to be and as a result his life is impacted and changed and an entire nation experienced the, the deliverance of the lord but here he says, I went astray before I was afflicted. And he says, but now I keep your word. So I was a waste you before the punishment came my way. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Book this, book this. Teach me your statutes. The insolence smear me with lies. But with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Look, this, this, this is the consequent. This is the result. These are the ramifications of what happened through God's discipline in David's life. Pete this. 
He says, their heart is unfeeling like fat. Verse 70, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. David says, it's good for me that I got whooped. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus, for chastising me when I was going astray because now I've learned to be in the place where I value your law in this case for us I value your word and what you say in it man I wonder if it's about five people who when you were going through the hard knock life stuff you didn't understand it but now in retrospect you say it was good that I was afflicted come on somebody whether you agree with what happened or not I'm here to tell you that if you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that that you too will get to the place where you look back and say it was good it was good that i went through that heartache come on somebody it's good that i went through that pain it was you know even though the fact is the thing might not have been good but because romans 8 28 says that god works all things together for good come on to those who love him you can still love god and mess up come on because some of y'all say that don't apply to me because i messed up no you do you still love god when you messed up i wonder if it's some sincere people in this house that you messed up but you still love god come on somebody i'm so glad that even when i messed stuff up come on somebody when i jack stuff up as long as my disposition and my heart for god is in a position of humility and not arrogance that i god will work that thing together for good and to bring it out to the place where i declare it was good that i went through that heartache not only because of my life being breakthrough experiencing breakthrough but because there are others who will come to know that jesus is a good god man i feel this thing because who am I talking to I know I'm not no angry black man I just feel the power of the Lord in this moment because it's about five of you who've been ready to quit because you're going through some hard knock stuff but I showed up to this theater in Malvern with some cornrows in my head to let about three of you know that if you just hang in there There's more beyond the stuff I'm going through. You got to lean in, lean in, lean into the thing, lean into the hard knock life. Stop complaining. Come on, somebody. Stop complaining about nobody knows the truth. Yes, man. You know what? The Bible said we're going to look at this next week. The Bible says that the fact of the matter is there's nothing that you're going through that is just common. That is just for you. Come on, somebody. There are things that you're facing right now and you feel maybe I'm the only one that you're the only one that's going through it. But God makes it clear that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. That there is that there are others who are dealing with the same thing. Come on, somebody. And you and I, we have to lean in and understand that there is more beyond this hard knock life. Everyone has the hard knock life. Stop complaining and get what you can out of every situation that comes your way until they take your toe and put you in the ground. You better learn and milk life for everything that is God. You can't, you can't complain and make excuses and still progress in life. You're either going to do one or the other. Make excuses or make progress.